Welcome to episode 147 of Coming Up Next, the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for streaming or downloading the show, however it is that you are consuming. Thank you. Uh, And if you'd like to subscribe to the show, which I would highly recommend doing, you can do that at comingupnext.com.au. There's links to iTunes and Stitcher. You can also subscribe on Spotify. Uh, And if you want to hear the whole back catalogue of episodes, you can do so at comingupnext.com.au. Thank you to Ron Brown uh, for coming on the show last week, telling me all about Ozflix and what he's been doing in the space of digital distribution for Australian films and Australian content. And uh, the Ozflix Awards, the first ever Aussies, went down last weekend. You can find uh, videos and links and uh, all the winners uh, on their social media pages. Monty Lux, Australia's most tattooed adult star, joins me for a wicked ramble this week. She's been working in the adult entertainment industry for some time now, and uh, she took time out from her uh, Melbourne tour to chat with me about what it's been like to work in an industry that I really knew very little about. We talk about how she started out. We talk about uh, what it was like the first time she was on set. We talk about the usual kind of philosophical stuff. And instead of recapping everything that we spoke about, I'm just going to pass you on to the interview. Let's get into it, as uh, one Pete Holmes would say. My interview, 147 episode of Coming Up Next, the podcast with adult entertainment star, Monty Lux. Should we take a selfie? If you want. Yeah, I really do. I think this is good for um, like me being able to send people away. Sure. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, not porn, I wouldn't admit it. No, not porn. <laughs> not porn, although I've always been fascinated by porn. But you and me porn. Uh, uh, like TV, uh, feature film, um, oh. making a documentary at the moment. Oh, that's yeah, that's fun. Yeah, it's cool. That's very cool. I like it. continue it will carry on and on and on and on in your inboxes if you don't do something about it and I feel like me as a person not not just me as business but I feel like I'm the staunch one in the industry do you know what I mean like I can get away with outing someone and saying look you're a shit cunt what you know like cut it out or Mm. you know whatever when other people will just they won't say anything or they won't speak up or they're worried about what other people think and it's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm too busy at the end of the day to worry about any of that. Yeah. Here, internet world, here's some fucking information. Here's some fucking screenshots to go along with the information. Do what you want with it. I'm going to carry on, you know, whatever. And then usually, nine times out of ten, I'll get 50 inboxes from other girls saying, oh my God, the same thing happened to me but I couldn't speak out about it or whatever. Like, thank you for... So this is like... Putting it out there. This is like the Me Too movement, but within porn. Oh, it's so dumb. It's just drama. It's literally drama, and I, I can't stand drama. Like, way too... I'm so past it, babe. Yeah. Like, 
<clears throat> so yeah, last night I came out with a like just some screenshots regarding this business who uh, who are literally pestering my new brand new PA, and I was just like, I've had enough. Yeah, it's not the first time I've heard about you can't you know giving people a hard time. So so when you say outing, you mean like <coughs> exposing. Someone's just the bullshit, yeah, that's going on behind the scenes that the internet world doesn't see. Um, whether that be really shitty work ethic, like producers not turning up or yeah, right. you know, being shady, stuff like that. Most of the time I just will let people learn on their own because otherwise everybody misses the lesson. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I learn... It's very the, evolved of you. Oh, I, I learn the hard way, so I do everything the hard way. But, um, yeah... You just have to you just have to leave it sometimes. But every now and then there's a special case that comes through and I'm like, You are so getting outed <laughs> like and then yeah, usually there's a little bit of drama that follows and I kick myself immediately for thinking that it was a good idea. But right. you know, I I remember when I was new and then I got taken advantage of and, and fucked over and whatever, so yeah. it's like there's new people out there and these people are taking advantage of them and it's like I feel like it's my not responsibility but you know that's that's my voice like I can use my platform to for good and not for evil yeah so, yeah yeah I, I don't know I just I feel like mother hen <laughs> you know like I look out for the the new ones and the naive ones yeah let's face it there's fucking plenty they do my head in I think they do my head in more than the predators hey it's just like you stupid girl didn't you listen to like you didn't learn the last time and the time before that and the time before that yeah when are you gonna get it <laughs> what, what's the sort what sort of thing would be likely to kind of push you past your breaking point in what regard well you know like you said a lot of the time you just let sleeping dogs lie oh, okay. kind of thing so, but sometimes you just like like I, I'm pretty tolerant and if I'm, if it's not to do with tolerance, I just can't be bothered. I'm so fucking busy. Like I, I just haven't got the energy left usually at the end of the day to give to button pushes. So I just carry on with what I'm doing. But um, they, they usually have to be pretty persistent and or really predatory for me to like want to go public with it. What does predatory mean in the context of what you're doing? Because in a civilian job, yeah, and I use that term with all due respect, <laughs> predatory would mean, you know, uh, probably something quite different to what it might mean in the Do world of porn. Do you think though? Do you think? I guess it's about intent, isn't it? I would say a, a predator would be somebody with malicious intent, regardless on industry or yeah. career for sure and i mean there's people out there but isn't that what like dv is about i think dv is pretty important um they're predators that prey on people who are like prime victims basically but it happens in business too and they're everywhere i just i don't know i feel like those people especially should be outed at a certain point or they need to be consistently outed and most of the time people are Mm, not afraid but they just I guess they are afraid to speak out like there's usually a lot of kickback mm. predators are usually pretty tactful and they plan stuff so yeah right they're... but they're fucking everywhere especially in the adult industry so how long have you been working in the adult entertainment industry for so I started stripping when I was about 15 I was really young and I did that for about Nine years. Did you have another question straight I, I mean, up? I, was, I did. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to ask what the kind of legality. Obviously, it's not legal, but how it's does one get around not legal. it? Definitely not, not legal. I worked for um, agencies and I'm from like a smaller town. So everything was just really laid back. Like I was in clubs and drinking at 14 and it wasn't really a thing back then you know where I'm from people were still leaving their keys in their car and going to the pub and leaving their windows down and doors unlocked at their houses and stuff like that like just proper country you know um but yeah obviously all that changed over time I did that for about nine years and then I got into a domestic violent relationship which was pretty like it was pretty horrendous let's face it um I suffered 
like a broken jaw, a dislocated hip. He Molotov cocktailed my apartment, tried right. to burn it down while I was inside. Yeah, it was it was pretty full on. I had to relearn how to walk. I had to live in care for like six months. Like it was like it was really it was just about broke me. Yeah. So I obviously couldn't dance anymore. I couldn't even fucking walk. So bye bye stripping career. Um and Long I guess nine years in, sorry. Yeah, I yeah, guess nine yeah, years yeah. in, you're feeling pretty, um, like, sure of yourself and sure of where you're going with Definitely. It. And I think it was the fact that I wouldn't stop. I didn't want to stop stripping. Like, it was, I was comfortable doing what I was doing and I was making good money. Like, I think at that time I was the highest paid topless barmaid in Cairns. And... Like things were good. I was still young and silly. I was really naive. That was, I think, why I became a, a victim to that predator. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I was happy at that. I thought I was happy anyway. I don't know. So yeah, after that happened, I had to relocate. I moved from Cairns to Townsville and just got like a normal job. I was just doing like cashier. I was gaming attendant, doing hospitality. Just generic stuff that I had done on the side over the years that I sort of knew how to do that I could get a job in. And eventually I sort of veered back out of that and into stripping again, but in a new city. It wasn't right for me. It just didn't feel right anymore. I felt really unsure of myself, really unstable on that leg. Just it wasn't that mental, that mind-body connection wasn't happening anymore. Like I just... It, yeah, didn't fit anymore. So long story short, I ended up bumping into an old girlfriend at this new agency in this new city, <clears throat> excuse me, that I'd worked with previously, like years ago, um, back in the in the other city. And um, she had started escorting. And I, I, instantly I was fascinated. It was a new avenue in the adult industry that I never even battered an eyelid before in fact I probably had um that mentality that I hate (laughs) when I speak to people I'm like ah why do you think like that about sex workers like that's so backwards I was one of those people I instantly I was like "Ooh, why do you do that I didn't understand I didn't have any information about it I didn't know what was involved but I wanted to know more and I guess curiosity killed the cat because here we are (laughs) (laughs) so I ventured into sex work um really really interesting journey that has been um I would love to write a book one day I would just I would love to write a book um well there's a great you know fascination and uh I guess kind of mysterious allure that the adult entertainment industry has and that sex workers have definitely because it's this it's the one one of the few things that kind of links everyone doesn't matter you know age nationality gender race yep. everyone you know connect through sex 100% in some way yeah and then here is this whole industry which to my knowledge is the oldest industry there is I believe so yeah uh, but there's so little kind of known about the real mechanics of it or what the day-to-day life of someone who lives Definitely. in that world is Definitely. I would really love actually to start like a YouTube channel or something like that. I don't know. It could be detrimental <laughs> to my career actually, but I think it would be interesting. I don't think there's too many people out there doing like a day-to-day, you know, life yeah. in a day in the life of a sex worker or a porn star or like, you know, come on, follow me because it might, yeah, people would be like, oh, that's really what happens? Like... <laughs> And we're never booking you again. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't know. But yeah, so eventually I got to a point um, with my escorting. Oh, okay. Here's another long story short. I just go off on these tangents. I ended up with this, this guy. I ended up going back into a DV relationship. So I must have been stuck in that DV cycle myself. Like not only does... uh an abuser gets stuck in an abuse cycle, but a victim can also get stuck in that DV cycle. So I ended up with this guy who, again, it was pretty bad bashing in my doors and stuff like that. I had to have him arrested in my house and taken away. 
I think mentally I just wasn't prepared to deal with that. And I, again, became a victim to a predator who got, I got hooked on drugs. I was doing hard drugs for about a year. I ended up uh, running a crack den, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Um, I probably, like, I really was in a really, really fucking bad place, man. And I've, I've been really public. Um, with my rehabilitation and I try and use my platform to speak out about domestic violence and drug abuse and, and stuff like that because it happens to so many people and not everybody's in a position where they can use their voice to talk about it. So, I mean, I use mine and hope that I can help some people along the way, you know. Anyway, I literally had like a $2,000 a day ice addiction and about a year into living in this house, we were raided. I was arrested. I was taken to the police station and I nearly went to jail. Um, I was at a point in my life where I really had to make some fucking hard decisions because it was pretty much sink or swim at that point. And um, I had to come to terms with the fact that I wasn't dealing with the, the abuse. Does that make sense? Like doing hard drugs was my coping mechanism because I wasn't facing or dealing with those underlying domestic violence issues. So I went and got help. I went and got help. I got clean. I got my shit to fucking gather and I chose porn. It was like the one thing that finally just made sense. I had been jumping from job to job to job in the adult industry looking for answers or looking for a place where I fit or just, I don't know, just looking for something. And then it wasn't until I had to choose a path at this fork in the road that I was given where I was like, oh my God, it's porn. Like it just made sense. I'd done drama and acting classes at high school. I wanted to go to NIDA um, as a teenager, like I really just only ever wanted to be in front of cameras and I loved it and embracing my sexuality and doing it in front of the camera just made sense. So I was like, okay, we're just going to go with this now. Like I've got to pick something, get my shit together and just go for it. And like, here we are. Mm. (laughs) I think I made the right decision and I've been literally busting my ass for the last three years. Yeah. To, to get to where I am. And, um, I think porn saved my life, hey. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do you remember going back to being a kid, I guess? Mm. Do you remember the first time that you performed or that you were in a show or something that kind of that gave you that experience? Not of being in porn as a kid. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Okay, so I, I can't remember the first time. I know I did like tap dancing classes when I was a little girl I was probably like five you know like I was just always in front of an audience I was always performing I was always doing something in in that area I remember my mum showing me photos and it didn't make sense until like I grew up and she would be like you used to make these crepe paper outfits and stick them on with like electrical tape and then you'd be like taking them off and bits would come off. So I'm like, mum, I was a baby stripper. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? How, how? I don't know. I don't get it. And I was probably like eight or nine. I'm like, you people didn't see this coming? <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck? It was all right there in front of you. She's going to be adult industry worker. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I loved it. Was there anything that was there? Were you trying to replicate anything at the time? Like, what were you kind of watching as a kid that was that you were no idea I think so I was very I was brought up in a very like inclusive sort of family we had a lot of gay friends we went to a lot of like Mardi Gras sort of stuff we were always watching like movies Priscilla Queen of the Desert stuff like that's always very flamboyant musicals and it was awesome I just totally wanted to be a part of all of that I guess as a kid mm. so I just kind of did it my own way with crepe paper outfits <laughs> really bad ones too oh so fucked <laughs> and what did your parents do my dad was military so my dad was a sniper in the army wow 
um yeah really heavy and kind of uh, I don't know I just kind of try and have mini real talks with people everywhere I go every time I say that to someone and they're like oh that's so cool I'm like dude well there's nothing cool about going to work and being trained to blow people's heads off that's like not cool that can't be good for your psyche that can't be good for your mental health it can't be good for your soul like that's a really hard job I think at a point my dad was got so good they were considering um taking him on at ASIO um and eventually my dad was discharged from the military um I'm guessing mental health reasons um yeah so dad and I never had a really close relationship but I didn't think he had a really close relationship with anybody no. he was just he had he, away a lot? he yeah he had shit to do and so off he went and did that um but my mom always hospitality like she was she managed venues for years and years and years at a time we moved around a lot like I remember doing schooling via correspondence in Belgium when I was wow. like seven, yeah, just it's cool. Yeah, really cool. I just like I feel like I've been a gypsy my whole life, living out of suitcases. So when I go on tour, it's like it's not even a thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. And so when you started stripping, did oh, did your parents know that you were doing that? Eventually, Eventually. <laughs> yeah. So this stripping. And you got to twenty three. Yeah, no. So this stripping thing, I think my mum found out secondhand, which was a very important lesson. You just tell your fucking parents. Just tell them yourself, so that you can get the being in trouble thing out of the way. Yeah. And it's not as bad for them, like hearing through their fa- friends that they've gone to a birthday party and. <laughs> their daughters walked in or something mm. i don't know yeah so when i um moved from stripping to escorting then escorting to porn i just yeah just go straight to them and mm. let them know what's up how did they respond don't love it yeah yeah, yeah they're not huge fans right. <laughs> yeah but that's okay it's not their journey yeah yeah is there a part of you that feels misunderstood in that 100 percent, 100 percent, definitely i feel disappointed a lot i feel like Okay, so I feel like um, maybe they're in the position that I was in when I didn't understand sex work. Maybe they just don't have the information. Maybe they just haven't met sex workers or enough sex workers. Or maybe they haven't... I don't know. I don't actually know what it is and neither of them will sit down and talk to me about it. So, I mean, that's totally their choice and I would never force that on anybody. Like, if they don't want to know about it, that was... Oh, good. But, like, I've got shit to do. I can't just throw my career in the bin because they don't want to talk about it. Like, they don't they want to stick their head in the sand. And that's regardless of who it is, whether that's my parents or my friend or, like, whoever. Like, I've got to keep going and doing what I'm doing because it's for me. It's not for anybody else. What would you like them to, or anyone, to kind of understand about uh, mm. working in the sex industry? It's hard. <laughs> really hard there's a lot of stigma what would I like them to understand um that we're people we we sell sex in some regard yes and that's our job but we're still human beings like we go to work we do our job and we come home some of us have families some of us have kids some of us have partners some of us don't have fucking anybody it's a dishwasher. <laughs> right, I thought it was someone coughing outside. Sorry, no, my bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. I just guess I would like people to understand that sex workers are people too. Mm. Just stop being mean. <laughs> stop it. What was the process like of uh, maybe without being specific about the agency or the mm. place you work, but what was the what was the process like of actually getting the job and then having your first shift for example which which avenue are we talking porn or oh, no, are we talking escorting are we talking like when stripping you, when you first oh, yeah, okay. we, we can talk all three. Oh, sure okay okay um i have to try and think that and i'll be honest with you my memory's not great anymore and this is why i don't do hard drugs this fucking never a good choice <laughs> i really struggle to recall things now and i feel like i'm missing a lot of memories which sucks but so my first shift as a stripper, I was in a pub and it was really popular back then. It was, it was chockers. I've walked in 
was with another girl and you sell raffle tickets and the guys will just stand around and drink beer and whatever. I remember just thinking, I'm going to faint. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm going to faint. All I'm doing is walking around selling raffle tickets with my boobs out. I do that on weekends. Like I'd, I'd go driving in cars with boys and drinking and get my boobs out. It wasn't even a thing. But now that it's like a job, I, I was shitting myself. And at 14, you know, like really, I was just a little girl <laughs> walking around in a pub full of dudes trying to sell raffle tickets at two bucks a pop like yeah it's terrifying but I think that alone got me hooked that sheer terror of (laughs) you know really new experience there's a bucket load of attention going on there I was probably trying to fill a void with that (laughs) too now that I think back (laughs) um yes but I really love putting myself out of my comfort zone I really enjoy it even now like if something seems hard or scary I'm just gonna go and do it and worry about like shitting myself later I don't know is that like being an adrenaline junkie is that what that is I guess so it's not exactly jumping out of a plane now is it no but you're (laughs) you're getting off on the thrill or the terror or the adrenaline of the situation of being uncomfortable basically definitely definitely Having a massive crowd like leer at you can be quite daunting at times. Yeah. You know, what's going on in their heads? What are they thinking? What are they saying to each other? Really, you shouldn't be worried about any of that shit. Just like do a good show. But you can't help it when you're up there, you know? Like what if the crowd's quiet? Am I doing a shit job? Are they liking what they're seeing? Are they just really... Mm. Are they just a really shitty crowd? Or like what is happening here? It's a lot to sort of process while you're you know flipping around and upside down and smiling and keeping beat to the music and stuff like it's mental when you're that kind of new and and that age do you have a routine like have oh god no oh god no you just totally wing it and make it up as you go along are you just doing what you think you've seen in like films or tv or what other girls are doing pretty much is there someone like backstage who's telling you like you could do this, you could do this. They sort of have like a, well, when I started anyway, and that's probably a million years ago, <laughs> they have like, a, it's almost like a template. So you do, you know, say five songs. In your first song, you need to do this. In your second song, this needs to happen. Third, fourth, fifth, and then finish. So they just give you like this template and you just go out there and kind of just remember those basics for each song. And the rest kind of happens or it works itself out. And then the more shows or whatever that you do, you sort of, yeah, you go, oh, the crowd liked that or that worked or I could try that again or, you know, whatever. And 10 years later, you've got a banger of a show, but everybody's seen it 50 times. So, you know, you kind of got to keep revamping yourself. Right. Definitely. Take it on tour. Definitely. Yeah. Keep moving. Keep moving. So when you came out of being a stripper yep. uh, and you started escorting what was it like? What was your first job doing that? Like, how does that, I mean, how does like that even... in comparison, you mean? Maybe not even in comparison, but, you know, you met your friend, you met a girlfriend who yeah. was doing it. Yeah. You kind of had this skewed idea of what it was like and you were a little bit like, I don't know if I want to do that. You know what? She actually came with me. So in Queensland, you can, it's legal to do in calls like you can work independently and you can also work in a parlor or a brothel or whatever you want to call it um so my first job or my first experience as a sex worker was not in a parlor I had met my friend and then she basically like baby stepped me through it like guided me through it she helped me like put ads where they needed to go she helped me screen the clients that were making inquiries she helped me like pick a price to charge for you know whatever and then she would come along with me show me things that I needed to do but we would inform do you know what I mean the the clients or whatever along the way so that they sort of knew what they were walking into because I feel like that's unfair if you know as a client you've come and then there's like this other random woman (laughs) you're like what the hell did I get two for the price of one or like what is going on here they're like no no she's just showing me what to do and I mean they do the same thing in the parlor so it made sense for her to sort of groom me that way so my experience with my first client I was again like terrified I just remember 
being really, um, I don't know, like I was, I was terrified. I was shaking. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know. There was no template. I didn't get my five song template. <laughs> so I didn't, I did not know what the fuck I was doing, but I had like, all I knew was that I had half an hour to do it. So I feel like I just got on with the job. I wasn't really a service provider then. I was just a sex worker. Oh, I say that like it's a bad thing. I was a sex worker. So I kind of just smashed through what I thought was meant to happen. And then there was all this time left. I'm like, well, what do I do with this extra time? I don't know. So I kind of left my first booking going like what, what, yeah. With more questions than I started with, I think. And then that's bad for me. If I have questions, I'd have to go back and do it again and again and again and again until I get the answers. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was good. I was looking forward to my next client. I know that much. Mm. Just because I didn't, I was uncomfortable. I didn't know what I was doing. And I don't like doing a bad job. So if I ever feel like I'm doing something and it's not as good as I could do it, I will just go back and get uncomfortable and get that knowledge and get that experience until I know I'm in a position where I can do a good job. And then I'll find something else to put myself in the (laughs) uncomfortable zone. I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. What what was your mum's reaction when you told her that you'd moved from stripping into escorting? She's not a fan. We didn't speak for ages. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're not speaking now. Yeah. But I mean, we have had times like that on and off over the years. Mum's got her own issues. Everybody's got their own issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just where we are or were in life, we're just on completely different paths and that's totally okay. Yeah. What's it like as you start kind of growing in, in the industry and you start becoming more self-assured and more confident with what you're doing and what you're offering? I think I've finally found where I fit or I've at least carved in a spot where I fit. Because when I moved from escorting into porn, I didn't fit. I didn't fit and I just wanted to fit. Like I watch all this porn and it's, you know, everybody's sort of got their niche or they've got their area or they've got a bracket in the industry where they fit. And I didn't fit. And a lot of businesses, they just will outright refuse. They will just ignore like my job applications, I guess you could call it. They just didn't want anything to do with me. And that's fine. It could be based on the fact I was inexperienced. It could be based on the fact that I'm covered in tattoos. It could be anything, like whatever. That's their prerogative. What is a job application for a porno film? Um, so basically you just contact a producer, let them know that it's you, that you're serious, which is hard to do when you don't have any experience, let's face it. Because you can't um, really send them a showreel. Exactly. You can't say, hey, I've worked with da 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 these people, you can ask them for a reference or whatever. If you haven't done it before, it's kind of like, whatever, we get 500 of those a day, <laughs> yeah. you know, like go away. But I was totally genuine and I'm obviously still here. So a lot of those companies, or some of those companies that, you know, maybe thought that that was that kind of email at the start. I've spoken to them since and maybe even worked with them. So it didn't even matter at the start that I didn't fit. It was kind of just getting experience. I would work with whoever would have me and was super grateful and still am super grateful to all of the companies that booked me because in Australia, I feel like I'm like maybe not the only alternative performer, but I'm definitely the most out there alternative performer make a point of trying to carve an alternative performer section into the Australian industry because where are the next lot of alternative people going to go? You know what I mean? If we don't have a spot, where the fuck do they go? And I don't, I, I do, I take it on. It's like my responsibility. I'm like, okay, I've got to do this for the people. Like, and for the last three years, I've just been carving. I've been carving and carving and carving and just trying to make it okay. Trying to get people to not accept me but just accept the fact that there's other niches in everything in porn in in any career like what does it mean to be an alternative performer i guess alternative means like different not the norm so you kind of pitch yourself as australia's most tattooed 
porn star. I feel like I'm the only fucking tattooed porn star getting around. You do have a few tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Expensive hobby. Right. Oh, don't even get me started. What was the most painful one? I would have to say my stomach. Right. Yeah. Not the one that's on your face. No, God, no. That was amazing. Right. What does yeah. it say? It says mercy. Mercy, right. It's my safe word. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's good that it's tattooed on your face. Then. Oh, that's literally why I had it tattooed <laughs> on my face. I was trying to manifest something by having it tattooed there. Right. I think it's pretty important. Yeah. I really would love to work with some massive companies in America, like kink.com, places that do some fairly hardcore shit. I just don't ever want to be in a position where they're like, oh, but we didn't know your safe word. Motherfucker, it's on my face now. So, you know, if I'm ever saying it and you didn't know what it was, then yeah. that's on you because... <laughs> it's right here. It's right here. <laughs> so alternative doesn't only apply to how you look. It's also the sort of stuff it, that you do. Yeah, definitely. I think it's in the content as well. Um, if you look alternative, but you're still shooting vanilla, then really... You just did tattooed vanilla, but there's nothing wrong with that either. You just shouldn't be labeling yourself as alternative. It's definitely got a lot to do with the way you look. Definitely. Thanks to Joanna Angel from Burning Angel over in America. She's, she, man, she's the real MVP. She carved our spot into the entire industry, not just in Australia. I'm only just trying to do it here in Australia. She did it for the whole industry. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't even have a niche do you know what i mean like i can only imagine how hard that would have been for her to try and do that on such a fucking massive scale imagine people being like no you don't belong no you don't fit no we don't want to book you no you know no 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 and now here she is taking out all these awards like being an inspiration to people like me and now here people like me are trying to do the same thing on a smaller scale because we're inspired by people like that and I f- would really hope that I get to a position where I inspire someone to do something cool and hard and put themselves out of their comfort zone and, and represent whether that's alternative or not like go do you so this is really in a way an extension of what you're talking about in I guess being an adrenaline junkie it's like how far can I push the envelope how uncomfortable can I make myself 100% to kind of grow as a performer or 100% and what else can I do with that I think I've just pushed myself into that uncomfortable zone for so many years yeah it's not just about me anymore it's about how uncomfortable can I get and how many people can I ben- like benefit along the way? How many people can benefit from what I'm doing along the way and like what can we all get out of this as a group? It's not just about me. Like obviously as a business, that's my business and it is kickbacks, but that's not my sole purpose. Every fucking dollar I make, I invest back into myself and back into my brand. Like most of the time my money goes on accommodation, flights, advertising, marketing, photo shoots, like I'm not rolling in dough here. Like this is totally all about the journey for me. Mm. It, when I started, it, I never even thought that I would get a foot in the door, let alone make it to a point where I'm fucking drowning in work. Do you know what I mean? And I think it probably has a lot to do with attitude too. Like In the context of, you know, making yourself uncomfortable and really pushing yourself. Yeah. Uh, I guess working in probably any industry, but particularly the adult entertainment industry, there could be, you you tow a very fine line of safety. Yeah, do you think? Well, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of trying to frame (laughs) that as a question. Are you towing a fine line of of, of what's safe and what's not safe? uh, Define safe. What area of safety? Where you feel comfortable and where you feel like you're... Like you're not being taken advantage of or you're not being forced to do things you don't want to do, you know? Mm. So I, I do feel like that does happen. I feel like that happens a lot. It doesn't happen a lot for me anymore, but I feel like that comes down to life experience and I feel like that comes back to because I've been through these predatory things before and they were pretty hardcore. So I have all these red flag like it's info that I can apply now in my everyday life. So when I see those same red flags in whatever it is that I'm doing, it's kind of like, Oh, we know what happened last time. These red flags are like a warning sign. Let's just, 
you know, go over here or get away from that or deal with it this way or whatever. So I can kind of apply that knowledge and I get myself out of situations before they even have a chance to sort of come to fruition. Whereas other people, maybe not so lucky, you know, they they can't see what's happening or they get sucked into, yeah, being taken advantage of or, or being put in unsafe situations or, you know, whatever. And there's not much you can do about it. Like everybody just has to learn their own lessons, their own way. Like I'll try and help people where and when I can, but I'm not interested in being a meddler. I've got no time. <laughs> There's no time. I'm really sorry. Do you hear uh, people in the industry talking, whether it's complaining or um, enjoying the way that the internet has changed everything in porn? Oh, it's definitely divided. I think people rave about how great the internet is because it's, you have like direct access now to your yeah, client base. Yes, definitely. But that's being so connected. We're so connected to people that we don't even fucking know. Like, I don't know if you on Twitter or whatever, but I posted a photo recently just of a screenshot of my phone. I had nearly 300 SMS, unread SMS, over 5,000 emails. And that's just one email account. I'm, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of notifications on my social media platforms like it's amazing that we're so fucking connected and that we can you know talk to our client fan base or whatever but i'm only one person like (laughs) and i can't even open half of the shit so yeah it it's it's really it's a struggle it gives me anxiety man to be perfectly to to be perfectly honest with you yeah i wake up most mornings and i'm on the back foot i've just feel anxious i'm drowning how do i get on top of this like this is my business. These people want to make an order or they have an inquiry or like, it's just, and it, I never catch up. Like, yeah. what do you do? I imagine it could be overwhelming. It's, I had a cry before you got here. Right. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. Yeah, I know I look like a hard ass, but like, again, we're all just human beings. Yeah. I'm just trying to do what I can, as much as I can with what I've got, just to get it done. Like, hmm. if at the end of the day, if I didn't have that fan base, just speaking for myself here, like I wouldn't have a job. Like I'm stoked that I had a go at something that I didn't know I would even get a chance at doing. And then people backed me. They backed me. They bought my shit. They invest in my products. They support me online. They support me emotionally, you know, through positive messages or whatever that is. They come and see me at events. Like that's fucking amazing to me. Like who am I to these people? Really? I'm just this country girl that chased her fucking porn star dream and now here i am with all these people who just want to support me some more i think that's incredible and the internet is incredible Mm. in that regard but it also means that that content that we spend time and money and energy into filming and traveling to go and get whatever performer or um, editing or any of that stuff it means that it's now online and it goes on those tube sites how do we make money like i'm i get that people are like why would we pay for porn when we can get it for free because that's our livelihood man that's our job and all that means is that we spent time money and energy creating that content for you guys somebody stole it and then they posted it online so that everyone else could have it for free like why fucking do that to us that's where porn's at at the moment there's not a lot of money in porn anymore unless you're big fry because it's just so easy to take it yeah. online and then what no one's gonna buy it well, i read a pretty damning statistic that you know oh, of dear. the tens of millions of people who watched porn last year was it i think it was something like lot? only three percent actually went to paid oh so it's- that hurts me that hurts me that's really bad that's what tube sites are doing like how did they change the game as far as you're aware they created a platform on the internet like the internet's great for all those other reasons i mentioned before but it's fucked up yeah in that other sense you know like what do we do what can we do like just tube site hop every day and be like that's me take my content down cease and desist like i haven't got fucking time for that i've got to be at the gym or i've got to be seeing a client or i've got to travel or i've got to be at the airport or whatever i don't have time and i don't have money to be paying a pa to do that for me 
it's not feasible. All I can do really is just keep creating new content. So potentially I have that support network purchasing my my shit and hope that somebody doesn't put it on your side. But like nine times out of ten, I'll get a message and and it'll have a link from somebody saying, Oh hey, yeah, I really love that video and blah 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 insert link here. And I'm like, motherfucker, that's a tube site. Like don't send that to me and be proud of it. You're watching stolen content. Now, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's bullshit. Do you know people that have been like really uh, financially affected by... All of us. Right. All of us. Just about every performer I speak to has been pissed off or ripped off in some regard due to a tube site or multiple tube sites, including the producers that I work for, mm. including those production companies. Like... How do you, is there a way to combat that or how do you, I guess, try and sustain uh, your career financially while this stuff's going on? Such a good question. And you know what? These are literally the questions I'm left with at the end of the day because I am that country girl. Like I didn't grow up with a computer. I didn't grow up with the internet. I grew up with guns and bikes. And that doesn't serve me now. Yeah. Like that was that's great if we go to war, you know, you all you other people are fucked. I'm gonna be yeah, I'll be off in the bush like off your yeah, stuff. chasing zombies. <laughs> It'll be great. But for this business and where I'm at in life now, I just I'm like I literally have no idea. I don't know what my options are. I don't understand what is happening and I don't know how to stop something like that. So mm. way in above my head. I was listening to this uh, podcast called The Butterfly Effect, which is, um, it's, it's a really great podcast. It's all about the guy who created Pornhub and the butterfly effect that oh, wow. creating the first tube site has had on the adult entertainment industry. And the and guy who creates it goes into, into the valley in LA and speaks to people who've been, who have been working in the industry for a while. The reason that I bring that up is because one of the things that... Um, they talked about was people who have started creating custom content and how that's become a big sort of uh, thriving way to counteract yeah. tube sites because it's giving the people who have fantasies a kind of direct way to... Get what they want. Definitely. I think that's a great idea. I never even thought of customs like that, to be perfectly honest. I have people order customs from me all the time. I just never saw it as a way to like combat the tube sites it's makes perfect sense when you say it like that all right so i'll be smashing uh customs for 2018 (laughs) if anybody wants any customs i love it what are some of the requests that you've had for customs i had one come in yesterday right for a gentleman who wants me to go, I want to open the email. He wants me, he wants to pay for me to go and have my fingers and toes put acrylic nails on, but at the length that they come in. So maybe 10 centimeters of acrylic nails. And then I uh, can't remember what the rest of the customers, but I'm meant to walk around or something with them. I'll do something. I don't know. I think that's right. fun. Yeah. That's really fun. Like, yes, I won't be able to do anything with those acrylic nails, but that is fun. I don't even care what your fantasy is. Like, that's not something I get to do every day. What's the process like when you get a request for for custom content? You So you get the email, you agree what the fee is going to be, yep. and then... Do you hire a cameraman? Do you get someone to film it on your phone? Like Depends what it is. Right. Depends what it is. So nine times out of ten, a lot of the requests that I get are for boy-girl content. And where I live, there, there's, we literally have like three male porn stars in the whole country. And they're not up where I live. So I usually have to travel. And for me to travel and then hire the male performer or, or whatever, the price that I'm then quoting to the client is insane like it's insane and that's just to cover costs like i usually feel guilty if i'm giving them a quote that even has profit on the back end of it because it's just such an absurd number but i feel like once i move i'll relocate from where i am to a bigger city so do you sorry just to cut you off yeah it's okay. do you do it to continue building your brand is that the idea as if you're not making money from it what's the fringe benefit i feel like that would only apply if i was having to travel 
stuff right. like okay. stuff like if I just I didn't have the resources easily accessible to me, yeah, yeah, then sure. for me to finish like for me to create a custom, I would have to. Do you know what I mean? Like I would have to travel and book accommodation and flights and whatever. Like it would just be an absurd price. I'm not going to foot the bill. Like if you want the custom, I have to travel to do that. Here's the quote. <laughs> Usually they're not going to foot that bill either. So I'm at a point now where I have to relocate and I'm excited about that. But again, also really fucking terrified, man. I never caught a train, a tram. We don't have trams or trains or any of that stuff where I'm from. So just navigating the traffic here is terrifying to me, mm. let alone, you know, being in a big city. It's crazy. But again, out of my comfort zone. And I'm really excited to be in a place where I have more resources available to me. If I leveled up this much in just three short years, going from being a, a domestic violence survivor and running a fucking crack den, like being a criminal... If I've come this far in three years, imagine what I can do in another three years in a city not on probation with all those resources. Do you know what I mean? Like, I could really fucking get some traction in the next three years and potentially, like, carve that spot into the Australian adult industry. I really hope so. Yeah. I really, really hope so. Just, um, I find it difficult being an alternative performer because, um, like, who do I work with? How do you create alternative content when you're it? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's pretty fucking lonely out here on, on alternative land. <laughs> it's um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people, you know, really getting behind the idea and stuff, but I don't think they sort of see the back end where it's like, what do I do? Like, who do I go to for help? Or like, who do I ask about this? Because there's fucking no one else doing it. Like, I just have to sort of put on my big girl pants and go out there and whatever fail succeed doesn't matter it's all information that i can apply later yeah mm. it's overwhelming at times though i tell you what what was it like the first time you walked i keep asking first time <laughs> i'm just gonna reframe it so <laughs> i don't have many first times left hey <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm interested to know what it's like to step on set in the world of porn because oh okay i will tell you my first time then <laughs> i've got a story go on okay my very first pawn or whatever i've flown from did it have a pun name it was called Asturbate. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had flown on my own from the opposite side of the country um, to a big city. And again, literally, I was just shitting myself. I remember walking in on set, doing a photo set, which I felt pretty okay with. I'd done photos and stuff before. So, we smashed out the photo set first and then we got to the video portion. And basically, it was just a solo Anal masturbation scene. That's it. Super easy, right? <laughs> Except I'd never done any of this shit before. You've got like a director, a sound guy, a fucking lube lady. Like you've got all these people there that you've never met before. And in your head, you're thinking, oh, it's really easy. Like I masturbate all the time. I love it in the ass. So I'm not going to have any issues. And I watch bulk porn. So how hard can it be? Oh, yeah. Until you're actually there he's turning off the air conditioning the fridge goes off like it's dead quiet in there you can hear everything if your back sticks to the floor and you do a back fart like you, literally everybody is gonna hear everything every fucking thing that happens and it's, that in itself is daunting so anyway we we start filming and i i've i was using a toy actually for this scene and um i'm going through the scene i'm Getting to the point where he's given me the nod, which means you can climax now, and I'm using inverted commas, climax. And when you say here, you mean the director, like off camera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you kind of need X amount of content, and then when you get to a point, it's like, okay, we can... We've got what we need. Yeah, exactly. So we can do the end part now. So you kind of get the nod, which means, you know, okay, go for it. So I'm building and building and building, and I get to the point where I'm like, okay, here we go. And then he's like, okay, cut. And I'm like, whoa what do you mean cut he's like are you okay i was like yeah i'm okay like what <laughs> i didn't understand and i'm I literally was i'm terrified i'm thinking i've done it wrong we have to start again oh my god you're a failure like <laughs> what what happened and 
all it was was because I was so nervous, I was not relaxed in the bum section. So I've given myself a micro tear and with the combination of lube, it looks like I'm bleeding from my asshole because I've just, you know what I mean? So now I'm bleeding on the floor and it's on camera. I'm being filmed. So now I'm bleeding and crying on the ground in front of all these people. Good grief. It was uh, horrendous. And um, (laughs) it's like, it's funny now, but that literally is out there somewhere. This content. Scarring experience. It was, it hasn't, it's like how much worse could it get really? I guess it can only go up from there. But it has never gone back to being that bad ever (laughs) on camera. No. Yeah. Never. And um, I can tell you what, I'm always pretty relaxed now on set. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when you're filming like a boy, girl or girl, girl or whatever. Yeah. A scene that has intercourse in it. Right. Fucking. Yeah. Um, what, what's the, what's the choreography process like? And Oh yeah. So we do like, um, well, it depends who you work with. So you have some ethical companies in my experience anyway, I can't vouch for everybody. In my experience, you have, um, say ethical producers that will just let you, they just want nat- They just want natural. They just want authentic content. So they will pretty much just set up the equipment. And then you just go for it and they'll work around you. So you guys just have a great time. Do whatever feels natural. Do, you know, like it's about capturing that authentic mm. connection. And it's kind of this new wave of pornography that's coming through. And I think it's incredible because porn kind of lost that along the way, that connection that, that humans have. Yeah. Um, and it became about fucking instead of connection. I think that it's pretty hot right now, that authentic um, niche or whatever and then you have other performance uh, other pr- producers who it's about fucking which is still super um popular and we'll do something that we call a dry run so you and your other performer will pick say a handful of positions say five positions and fully clothed like we're just normal people hanging out before a shoot we'll just do those five positions to see if you can reach, to see if the camera will be able to get in, to see if the lighting is okay, or if you need additional lighting, stuff like that. So that when you actually go to shoot, you know what five positions are, you know which order to do them in, you kind of know if it's going to work, so you don't look like a complete tool trying to go from like missionary to doggy or whatever, and arms and legs and shit going everywhere, because it doesn't look hot on camera, (laughs) you just look like a klutz. Um, yeah, and nine times out of ten it works when the camera's rolling because you've sort of done it and, in the dry run. <laughs> and is, there, is the director kind of looking over you, over the camera kind of, or is there someone giving you direction off the side? Sometimes. Right. Sometimes. It would depend on how big the, pro- the production company is. Um, sometimes the producer is also the sound guy and lighting guy. And yeah, yeah. 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 So um, it would depend on their budget, I think. In Australia, the porn industry is not huge. So budgets are fairly tight. Um, Everybody kind of, it's pretty cool actually. Everybody does a little bit of everything. Everybody sort of does production. They do editing. They do sound. They do the photos. They do, you know what I mean? Like they're multitasking. Yeah. I think that's super cool. Yeah. Go, go you guys. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I'm proud of the Australian porn industry. Definitely. We're just trying to do what we can with what we've got, you know, like... (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm really interested to see where we go in the next, you know, couple of years. Mm. Whether it's going to be sink or swim. Yeah. I think we're growing pretty rapidly, so. Well, that's cool. I think it's really cool. You don't really see a lot of porn with Aussie accents. No, there's probably a reason for that, man. Right. <laughs> and everybody listening to this podcast right now is probably like, that's because you sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm blaming it on being from the country. What are some of the like day-to-day challenges, I guess, in, in working in adult entertainment industry? Admin. Every day, admin. I'm drowning. I'm sitting here right now thinking, I'm having a great time doing this podcast, but oh my God, the inboxes that must be just coming in that I'm not on top of right now. But you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to get on top of it. I think I'm just forever going to drown in inboxes. It makes me wonder how the, the big time stars do it. 
because I'm small fry. And if my inboxes look like that, imagine what theirs must look like. Yeah. What do they do with that? I imagine they have people that are dealing with it. Well, they probably do. You're probably right. Probably just like, you know, big actors or right filmmakers well of or... course they probably wouldn't deal with all their mm. social media stuff it's too much yeah they'd never get anything done yeah right yeah maybe that's what i need to do <laughs> am i at the point where i've, I've literally just hired a pa to, to to give me a hand while i'm in melbourne but i don't know if that's going to be sustainable with all these people going to tube sites mm. <laughs> you <Yep>. guys <laughs> you are your own small business yeah yeah. I, I had no idea business, running a business was like this. Yeah. <laughs> they never talk about the back end stuff. You know, you only ever see the the front of house stuff, you know, going to events and being like the party and yeah, being porn stars great. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so exhausted, you guys. And that's just from doing admin. Yeah. Like, I love it. I wouldn't swap this out for the fucking world. Like, it's, it's so good. But yeah but can someone else please do the fucking yeah admin? please do the fucking admin you guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah well just before i do let you get back to your um probably mounting inboxes yeah i'll go to the gym, gym. yeah um you you talking about at the start about you know how you feel like you're kind of stepping into this mother hen phase yeah uh does that mean i'm getting old I don't think so. I think it just means you've been working for a while and you're knowledgeable. I don't know. I like what, it. What are some of the, um, what would you say to people who are thinking about pursuing a career in the adult entertainment world? Stop inboxing me. <laughs> no. Um, I would say think long and hard about it. I had an email come through, not an email, just an inbox from another Australian performer who's no longer performing and she's incredible. She's a very, very cool human being. And she's at a point where she can't take back what she did. And she's got a family and she's trying to build a life now outside of that. And it doesn't go away. Once something's on the internet, it's there forever. So I think just have a really long hard think about what you're doing and if that's right for you and if you can handle kickbacks you know 5 10 15 20 years down the track because we yeah. don't know what's going to happen between now and then like we literally don't know what's going to happen tomorrow so i don't know you kind of just have to be really sure that it's right you're talking about like the stigma that anything. society has anything like it could get to a point where you do porn and because you're on social media as a porn star, you might not be let into another country because they think that's sex work and that's a felony offense in that country. Right. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it could eliminate your chances of being able to travel in the future. It could eliminate your chances of ever being able to get another normal, and I use that in inverted commas, job again because oh sorry we, that's frowned upon or whatever it could ruin your chances of having a relationship well, in my opinion you don't want to have a relationship with somebody who's going to judge you for your past anyway but do you know what i mean like there's kickbacks there's repercussions for every decision that we make and doing porn is a decision that's a career decision and you have to make sure that it's right for you. I think people just go, oh, yeah, porn, that's fucking cool. I want to be a porn star. And they don't think about anything else that comes along with it. Guys, there's a lot of admin involved. <laughs> there's a lot of admin. A lot of fucking admin. It could be as simple as getting tested too. The amount of inboxes I get from guys who are like, hey, I want to do porn, whatever. And I just have a copy-paste message now. I'm like, yeah. copy-paste, boom, here's some starter info. If they are happy to jump through that first lot of hoops, I'll send them, you know, like the next lot of info. They kind of go through in stages. Nine times out of ten, I don't hear from them after that first reply. And I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that you have to go and get tested. I'm tested every month, man. Anal swabs, throat swabs, blood, urine, you name it. I'm in there and it's happening. And it just comes with the territory. You want to be a porn star? You go and get tested, man. Sexual health is just as important as mental health, physical health, emotional health, whatever. It's your health, man. Like, look after yourself go to work and and be safe about it but i don't understand why that's off-putting to Mm. people who want to do porn like doesn't that just make sense 
like if you work with heavy machinery you go and get the ticket that you need to operate the vehicle like go get your tests fucking hell <laughs> what get your tests do not your even admin. a thing the fact that you don't want to go concerns me. Yeah. Yeah, hey. It is a bit weird. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Thank you for uh, for giving me a little bit of insight into a world I had very little idea about, oh, aside from the um, naked sex part. Yeah, and that's literally just my version. If you speak to any sex worker, they've got a whole other version. Yeah. We're all so different. It's great. It is. It's really, yeah, a lot of variety. I, uh, I end every podcast with the same question. Oh. question is, what makes you silly? Um, wow, I've got nothing. What makes me silly? <laughs> Crickets. Listen, can you hear them chirping? I've got nothing. Could be something that makes you go silly or something like common answers are like alcohol or like How? my kids. How? all of or... these questions, this is the hardest question, <laughs> right? How is this the hardest question? What makes me silly? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? The first thing that I thought of was that I can play the spoons, <laughs> but that's really redneck, isn't it? It's pretty silly. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell anybody. Okay. It's going to be our little secret. Monty Lux, the porn star who plays the spoons. I mean, that'd be an alternative. It's pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, thanks for coming over. Thank you. My pleasure.